Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow. That's service now. This ain't your typical run of the mill. Tech talk, OGs, we're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question, who the realest be? Unapologetic, if we said it, then we meant it. Foundation built on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way, only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Come on. This episode is brought to you by ClearSky. ClearSky is the only identity governance and security solution built natively on ServiceNow. It optimizes enterprise identity and risk management with a platform-first approach. Look, we have built a great digital world where we can plug and play people into our applications and information globally. Great for speedy operations, but can be a real nightmare for risk and security and governance who are left asking, who has access to what? Who authorized that? Should they still have it? When's the last time we checked? This is why CJ and the Duke love ClearSky. All of the benefit of a company with decades worth of ILM and IGA experience with a solution that's built natively on ServiceNow, the platform that we all trust. ClearSky, optimized identity management built natively on ServiceNow. Check the description. All right, Corey, what are we talking about today? CJ and I Man, dude, today Sky, we're going to talk about well how, to call how do you want to call it? What do you want to call it? How to be good? Yeah, that's kind of a weird title, right? It's kind of like. Yeah. Um, like rough times? Yeah. How to how to weather the the rough times? All right, that with you. Yeah, yeah, Duke, okay. Yeah, that sounds t- good. <laughs> right, so today Duke, we're talking about how do we weather the rough times? And are we saying that we're in rough times now or are we just saying just in case? You know, a little bit of both. I think the market right now is as rough as I've ever seen it except for the couple of months at the start of the pandemic. Mm. Yeah, it's been a rocket ship ride, right? Like 15 years and for me and just go, 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 go the whole time through. But it's hard once you've gained all the like a ton of marketable skills that it's hard to see if it is a tough time or not, if you're constantly working. Um, well, that, yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, I, I mean, so the context is I haven't not been working. So, you know, it's hard to say that it's a tough time, but I'm kind of judging by my inbound action, right? How many folks do I see show up in my LinkedIn inbox like day to day or week to week? And that traffic has definitely slowed. And my presence in the ecosystem has probably multiplied, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a reflection of me. Yeah. And I would say of the stuff I get in LinkedIn, it's a lot less lucrative by the get go. I'd say like, I always use the $45 an hour jobs as my temperature gauge. So yeah. there would be like a couple times a year, somebody who didn't know would be like, hey, we need a, like a, a brilliant service now, rock star, $45 an hour. I'm like, okay, that's funny. But it's a lot more often now. It's a lot more often. Yeah, um, I, agree. I agree. So whether it's just the market's getting more saturated with talent or it's harder times ahead. I don't know, man. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. It's hard to be an oracle in these times, but maybe instead of trying to predict hard times or not, or dedicate our energies to just biting our nails over it, why don't we talk about ways that we can hedge against hard times? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. How do you weather the storm? I love it. I'll kick it off. Like the first thing I'd say is is your network, right? Like you build your network in the good times so that it's there for you in the lean times. How do you build a network? 
So this one is hard, especially for people in our ecosystem, right? Because people in our ecosystem tend to come in a bit more on the shy side than most, mm -hmm. right? Like when you look at IT, but the way that you build a network is by talking to people and forming relationships, right? You know, yeah. like, hey, how you doing? I'm such and such. And what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you know, how long you been around? Tell me about yourself. Like all of that, those kinds of things. They, they tell you like, as adults, you stop making friends. But all the same things that you do to make friends, you do to build uh, relationships with folks who create your, net, your network. And I don't necessarily differentiate between the people I know who live down the block from me as a friend or the people who I grew up with who are my friends versus the people who I've just worked with day in and day out in the mm. ServiceNow ecosystem and see it knowledge once a year. All these people are my are, are my are in my network, right? And they're mm -hmm. people who I see and I talk to and I, you know, and I look forward to talking to on about, you know, various different things and look forward to seeing whenever I do. Yeah, I would say it doesn't happen by accident. Right. Um, it must take mindful time commitment. So like Agreed. I think in other episodes, I'd say, hey, listen, this is back when I had 13 years experience, not 15. But I'm like, can you imagine how many hours you've had dedicated to something if you did 30 minutes a day for every working day for 13 years? You're yeah. like you're like basically a year of pure learning ahead of anybody else who starts now. And yeah. so I always say, like, dedicate some time to it. I think people don't because they don't know explicitly what to do. And you said it, talk to people and yeah. really seriously talk to them and don't act like you are a burden. The one thing I wish people knew when they reached out to me on LinkedIn, like, so my policy is whenever somebody reaches out, I always like say, Hey, what can I do for you? Cause it's a great door opener because maybe there is something I can do for them. And I build my network by doing something for them. Yeah. Right. Yep. Or just get to know them a bit. I do a little bit of recruiting, so it helps to know people, right? But one thing I get constantly back is, I just want to have you in my network. And I'm like, but why? Like, so you can roll the dice every day and see if I show up on your feed? You know, and, and not, not, it's not, I don't say in a morally judgment way, like you're bad for that. But I'm just saying it could be so much more like, you just started your ServiceNow journey. Do you have any questions? Yeah, it could be so much more. Right. I, I love yeah. that. And just because we're connected on LinkedIn, does that mean I'm in your network? Does that mean no. you're or, or more importantly, does that mean that you're in my network? So if you're joining me on LinkedIn, if we're connecting on LinkedIn and you're initiating that so mm -hmm. that I can be in your network, you want me to have you in my network. Right. Like, <laughs> like that's what you're looking for, really, in these situations. And so like reach out. Like say, hey, CJ, how's it going? You know, I I listened to that one thing you said on the podcast. I really liked that thing or I really hate yes. it. You know, the other thing you said, right? Like that, you were completely wrong. I love it when people tell me I'm wrong. Tell, trust me. Those are interesting conversations. And, and so like whatever, but just reach out and let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Let's get to know each other. Then I remember. And yeah. then when I get like a recruiter reaching out to me for a thing that I don't do or at a rate that I don't take, right? Like I'm thinking, oh, but I know this other person, right? And they've just re reached out and I know that they do this thing. And from talking to them, I know that they're really good. Let yeah. me connect you. <laughs> it, it's simple stuff too. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Some people will be like, hey, I heard this episode of CJ and the Duke. I really liked it. Love to be in your network. Sure, man. What, what can I do for you? What else can I do for you? Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. And people don't realize how open that door is. If somebody says, what can I do for you? Think of something, especially if you're new in your career. Think of something. Like, Can you yeah. explain this to me? 
maybe not send me the list of your requirements you have to develop. Maybe not that. Okay. But really be bold and go ahead and talk about, tell me what your goals are. Tell me what you're struggling with. And and actually you said it in one of the earlier episodes, Corey, what did you say? If I've answered something for you, then I have invested in you. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's a a hack to create a um, stronger relationship with someone that you don't really know, or you don't, you're not really close with, right? It's that when you ask someone a favor to do your favor and they actually do it, they feel closer to you instead of the other way around. It's a weird human psychology thing. But like, if I say, Hey Duke, you know what? I really need you to come through and and mow my grass, right? Like tomorrow. Can you do that for me? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no problem. CJ, I'll come through, right? Like you come in and you, you cut my grass and you're going to feel like, wow, like CJ trusted me enough to come and ask me to do this favor for him to do this thing. Like, and then now like, man, I feel a little closer to him, right? Like, cause he thought of me, right? Like that's kind of how it works. Right. And so now that relationship is stronger. What else can we say for networking? Like, okay, just participate in conversations. Remember if I said, if you dedicate 30 minutes a day to engaging the ServiceNow community, be it LinkedIn, SN Dev Slack channel, ServiceNow Developer Discord, the main community site, just spend 30 minutes a day engaging. Ask further questions in a thread that interests you. Put in your own idea if you think you even have even close to an answer, even if it's the wrong answer. But your name starts showing up in conversations, right? People start trying to figure out who this person is. Um, Absolutely. So say that's like another thing is just participate in the conversation. I know social media is not for everybody, but community can be. Yeah, you know, and I'm going to say something that some people are not going to like. I'm going to say this. Get over it. If social media is not your thing, get over it. It's a tool. You go to work. Work's not your thing. You do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like <Touché>. you know <laughs> no i mean but it's like you do the thing that you need to get ahead and so sometimes that's putting the time in on social media and so do it anyway and if it's a privacy thing figure out the privacy controls and lock yourself down to a to a point not excessively right because still you, you the idea here is that you want to be open but there are privacy controls that you can bring to bear yeah. that can make the experience feel not as vulnerable Right. Like as you might as it might feel at at first glance. So, yeah, do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. I I got some dovetails into the next point using that. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Be certain of your capabilities and make a narrative about it. So I was just coaching somebody earlier this week who was like, you know, I got the the CSA months ago. And, you know, I haven't got a single bite. It's really hard. Like, we don't know what employers want. And it's just like nothing on the LinkedIn profile, right? Except for the cert. And it's just, you want to catch fish, right? Put a net in the water. Yeah. Um, Right. And, you know, the net can't just be like a single word. It can't be like ServiceNow. It can't be just Flow Designer. It's got to be caught in a narrative. So, like, something has to get the fish to get interested in that, the bait, right? Yep. And so, make sure that you have things that you can explain about what you did on your resume and or LinkedIn. I prefer LinkedIn just because it's got that passive measure. It's like people while you're sleeping, people are finding you. Yeah. Love that. Right. Like I'll, yeah. I'll be honest, like LinkedIn is probably my favorite uh, social media platform right now. It's because it's so relevant. Everything that I do there is just so relevant, right? Like all the people there are doing things that I want to talk about that I want to hear about, right. That I find exciting and, and it's like you said, it's really passive in the sense that like, I just got to log in and then boom, LinkedIn is going to show me like all of this cool stuff. Yeah. Right. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I'm there. 
<laughs> you can't let the abstract tokens of the capability i.e. the certs, right? The yep. certs are important. Again, I'm not any cert jeepers creepers. Stop. <laughs> okay. But I'm just saying like, if you look at 10 LinkedIn profiles and they all say CSA, which one do you want? And truthfully, if you even gave me one that said CSA, I'm just like, I still don't know what this person can do. Fair enough. On the LinkedIn profile, you want to see a story of something you did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Intrigue me. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so this this dovetails Duke into uh, a thing that that I've, I've said to people in the past. When you're trying to get a job, it, this is almost like Tinder, right? Like you're trying to get a date, you know. And when you're on an interview, like both of you are filling each other out to try to see if you want to take this to the next level. Like getting a job is like the same thing, right? Like you gotta you gotta put something out there that makes people interested in and in taking that next step, which is yeah. calling you, contacting you, or swiping whatever way you gotta swipe in order to indicate liking somebody right you know that's th that's what this is and that's what you're just describing right make your profile interesting enough that i won't swipe right left whatever it is to get to to get you to respond and i i think that's i think that's incredibly important mm -hmm. it's true for interviews too so let's just say like for whatever reason you you don't have linkedin you don't have resume but you're still interviewing how do you think they're going to pick you from other people yeah i, I think essentially Employers want a couple abstract things. They want to know the type and scale of the problems you can solve without okay. having oversight. I love the way you can always contextualize this stuff, Duke, because you're absolutely- <laughs> Thanks, bro. That means that's <laughs> coming from you. <laughs> now, you always put it in this, like, this container that makes it so easy to understand. The type and scale of the problems you can solve without oversight, right? Like That's amazing. That's exactly what, what employers are looking for. <laughs> yeah, no matter no matter the technology, right? It's just like you could be doing Salesforce stuff. You could be a project manager. But what have you done and to what scale? So if you describe how you built uh, all these different catalog items and you're very, being very descriptive in your resume and your interview about the catalog items you've built, maybe that tells me maybe this person can take care of my catalog item backlog. Like who doesn't have one of those, right? Yeah, right. But at least they can just say, okay, put them here and then they can go. Watch them go. And then I can get on with the rest of my life, not managing this person, not managing, but not not having constant oversight on the person. Yeah. right. Then like maybe that. you say, well, like, oh, I had all these, I had all these stakeholders and they were really mad about something. And I got everybody to agree on something that, you know, they didn't all come to the table on, but we all agreed. And then it was successful this way. And it's like, oh, well, now I can actually put these people in front of some of my stakeholders and take some of the heat off. Absolutely. There's so many people who are kind of like, well, what can you do? Well, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And, and it's just like, it, it adds labor to the system. <laughs> yeah. It's, and I know where it comes from, right? You're trying to facilitate, right? You're trying yep. to be flexible and um, receptive or kind of Bruce Lee's like take the shape of the vessel, but also just fill in the blanks for them too, right? Like fill in the blanks. <laughs> I guess yeah. is what I'm trying to say. No, I, I agree. Approach this question differently. Not what can I do for you? This is what I can do for you. Yes. Right. Let's let's reframe how this question comes out. Right. From a question, actually, into a statement. Right. Like you coming into the room with me and they'll say, hey, what do you need help with? Because I could do it. Tell me, hey, I noticed that yeah. X, Y, Z problem. And this is how I can do that through ABC. Boom. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden now I'm intrigued. Right. Because you've saved me a whole lot of labor. I didn't have to tell you what the problem is. And I, I didn't have to go through any of that trying to get you to understand. You already know. And then you're also going to tell me how you're going to solve it. Now I just got to think about it, whether or not I think that's a good solution. Like, I mean, yeah, 
Yeah. I was was telling my training cohort this the other day, my cohort three just started. And there was a lot of questions about, are you going to teach us how to write on LinkedIn? Are you trying to try to, are you going to teach us what keywords to use? How do we get into these interviews to begin with? And what do we do once we're there? There's a lot of curiosity about this because they're noticing the whole like must have two years experience that the market is adding. Right. And everybody knows my philosophy on that is that it's just an abstract it's because the market is finding too much difficulty finding out what capabilities does the CSA actually have. Yeah, it's a game. Um, it's important too, right? Because all the people coming in via Rise Up, if we are going into hard times, this is going to be difficult, right? So how, how are they going to overcome that kind of narrative challenge right. when it's like, oh, you got to have this two-year barrier? But you got to understand the barrier is abstract. They're doing it as a self-defense mechanism because they don't want to risk hiring people that really don't have capabilities. Right. Makes sense. And so what you have to do is going right back to like, know your capabilities is describe a situation. So it's like, oh, you want a service now developer with two years experience? No, maybe I don't have two years experience, but here's something I built on my PDI. I have a friend who has a soaping business. That soaping business requires a ton of raw ingredient management. If they pour all the raw ingredients and find out that they were short on one of them, they can't like put the ingredients back. So they've essentially wasted an entire batch worth of ingredients. And so we built them a system on ServiceNow that tracks ingredient usage for every batch. And every time you go to plan a batch with a recipe, it double checks that you have enough of everything. And if it doesn't, it adds all that stuff onto a shopping list. And so basically we made the ingredient procurement proactive and we completely eliminated batch wastage. Is that something you might be interested? Is that kind of app development, the kind of app development that would be interesting for your company? Yes. And so what, <laughs> you, what, what you just did there is you took the proxy of uh, years of experience and eliminated that right, right? Because, and changed it to demonstrated experience yeah this is a yes no question this is not a how many days question <laughs> right <laughs> you go into the situation like you need two years of experience you don't have two years of experience what experience do you have right like you have everything that you just mentioned dude like all of that like all of that soap making app experience right and how all of that stuff works together that's the experience that you have and so that's the experience that you sell yeah right and then boom all of a sudden because the, t- the the two years of experience thing is just a proxy right it's a gate and gates are made to be hopped over <laughs> that's a great segue into a la- another point is you got to keep your tools sharp. Yeah, absolutely. You know I mean, ain't no butcher out there with a dull knife going to work eight hours a day. You know, plus, have you ever tried to cut something with a dull knife, man? That's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they say that? Like the most dangerous knife is a dull knife. Yep. I, I even feel this in my own world. Sometimes I get into contracts and I have a luxury of doing a type of work that I want that isn't necessarily like right in the trenches of execution. Right. You understand what I mean? So I'll be doing yep. some architecture or some or some marketing or some recruiting or something like I'm just I just have the luxury of doing something different. But then I'll come back after a little bit and I'll be like, I haven't looked at CMDB in like X years. Yeah. I haven't looked at change control in ages. And so again, you have to dedicate especially in, in preparation for the hard times, it's maybe you gotta dedicate a little bit of time every week to just taking something you don't use all the time and use it. Yep. Just yep, to keep absolutely. those tools sharp. And then if you're not very experienced yet, then keeping your tools sharp means getting them sharp in the first place and building on your PDI. 
And if you want, we'll drop like five or six or seven different episodes into the description. <laughs> <laughs> About what and why you should build. Yeah, yeah building on your PDI. Yeah. There's just no way around. Build, 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 build. You're, you're right. It, per, it permeates like literally every single conversation that I have with folks who are just joining the ecosystem. It's like build. You've learned the book knowledge. You've read all the things, right? Mm-hmm. Like you took the test. But if you haven't put your hands on it and made the stuff at that point, I mean, yeah, like you, because that's what the job is. Yeah. The job is putting your hands on it and actually making the stuff. So you, you got to build, you got to yeah. get in there and build. And look, and the best place to do it is in your PDI, right? Because you're going to mess up. You can always refresh that thing and start over, right? Like, you know, and yeah. And we've said it a hundred times too. If, if, Building the apps isn't your thing. Maybe more of like a process person or a BA. Then still work in your PDI. Take a process, maybe even a process implementer, right? Take one of those processes, completely deconstruct it, figure out exactly how it works for each role and build a playbook out of that. There's just no excuse. Whether you're a builder or a non-builder, you can still be keeping your tools real sharp by operating in your PDI. I totally agree. There's no substitute for building it no matter you know, what type of career you're pursuing in service now, yeah, right? Yeah. Because you're, you're, this is the, the ecosystem. The ecosystem is the platform. So you can't, no matter what you're doing in this thing, like having that hands-on experience in the actual platform, like it's just going to, it's going to separate you. It's going to elevate you, right? It's going to make everything easier mm-hmm. for you. There is an idea I'm really struggling to get my words around. I okay. feel like it's a, it's a proto rant. Um, all right. All right. So help me out with this one, Corey. Everybody's like, like, oh, you got to niche down. Niches are reaches. And like, that's how you defend against bad times is become, you become super niched in something, right? Yeah. But I'm dealing with a lot of newcomers and some of them are blessed to work for a company that has put them on a track to become a ServiceNow person, but the company is pushing them way too wide. Okay. Get the ServiceNow funnels, but also get the ITOM and the ITAM and the, and this and that. Take these micro certifications. They're trying to micromanage, but micromanage wide. Right. And I think there's just no use trying to niche down unless you have sort of fundamentals. So I'm trying to find a way to articulate the balance point that says up until this point, don't worry about anything else but the fundamentals. Like get your business rules, your client scripts, your UI policies, your flow designer, your catalog stuff, table building, your data structure. Worry about that and only that for the time being, no matter what anybody else says, because that's all you have time for if you're also working a full-time job and have a family and other, you know, if you're a grown-up. Yeah. Duke, I get where you're at on this one. There's no substitute for knowing the platform because everything is built on top of the platform. And so as long as you know the platform, you can learn the other things. The other things are, are I hesitate to say industry-specific knowledge layered on top of service now, but it kind of is, kind of yeah. isn't. For a few things, you know, definitely. Some of them are process things and some of them are tech things. They're not cost-free specializations. Exactly. They're not cost-free. And they're also not just something that you can pluck out of the sky either. If you have been in the asset management space right before you got into service now and your employer is saying, well, we need you to really, really niche down on like uh, GRC. And it's kind of like, why would I do that when there's like hardware asset management, software asset management, CMDB, mm-hmm. right? Like all of those things are related, right? Like if I'm going to niche down, I'm going to niche down on that broad niche because it aligns with my previous experience. Align right? with the previous, yep. I'm not going to niche down on something completely new 
and then I that I have no idea, you know, what it's about. But even before I get to niching down there, right, I'm going to make sure that I understand how the platform works because at the end of the day, all of these vertical applications are still built on top of the ServiceNow platform. Yep. Right. And, and ServiceNow used to have a really cool diagram, and I don't know if they still use it or not, but uh, it showed like the various, like you said earlier in the show here, Duke, it showed like the, the various layers of the onion and how all of these things are built on the platform. Yep. Right. And the nugget upon which everything else stems from is the platform. Right. Yeah. So knowing all of that stuff when you get to the table, right, like that's the level of generalization that you absolutely need to have before you can start thinking about any kind of niche. I, I have a pretty good niche in SPM. Right. By the way, the best person at SPM in the entire world is Etta Wilson. I'll drop a link for her. In yeah, the she's awesome. Yeah, she's super good. But I would say my journey into that was borderline miraculous. I did not enjoy project management, learning it in school. I hadn't had great experiences working with PMOs. And you know, it was just a miracle that the customer was just like, no, you know way too much about service now. You must do this for us and we'll teach you the PMO stuff. Where the hell was I going with this? Ah, yes. Okay. So I get a customer that's basically like, it's too bad. You're going to have to take this job and we're going to teach you the PMO process stuff. And you're just going to make sure that the ServiceNow stuff is on point. But I swear, man, if I hadn't had years of tearing apart the ServiceNow platform, I would not have survived that ordeal. Because you've discovered this recently. Like you're just trying to figure out what in the heck makes resource plans work. (laughs) <laughs> yes you know <laughs> and yes. you got you got a resource plan and oh a cost plans popped up over here and then somebody submitted a time card on a project task and it's like the resource plan actualized but the cost plan didn't and what the heck's up with that <laughs> and, and it's just like you're not going to find out until you go dumpster diving through a scripting clue and how do you know where what a scripting clue is and where to go looking for it and how it's related right like yeah like, um, yeah, absolutely. So when I was going dumpster diving, like you said, through the entirety of the ServiceNow uh, instance in this case to try to figure out what was going on in this thing, all of my platform knowledge is what I leaned on in order to figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't any specific SPM knowledge. It was like, okay, I know how business rules work. I, work. I know how scripting clues work. I know where you can call certain things to get certain behaviors from and where you can't, right? I don't need to look at a data policy on this because that's not the experience that I'm seeing, right? So all of this kind of stuff allows me to kind of really dive in and and troubleshoot and get to the point of figuring out like why resource plans aren't working in this um, particular instance and without knowing SPM because I'm not an SPM person, you know, and I figured it out, right? Like got to the end of it, got it resolved, fixed it up, client's happy, everybody's good. But yeah, I don't know SPM. But I know the platform. Maybe with the last few minutes, we keep getting asked to do more content for independent ServiceNow resources. So maybe we can throw a spin on this purely for the indies. What should we do if we feel like harder times are coming? Yeah, this one's for the indies out there, only for the indies out there. <laughs> <laughs> if you feel like the hard times are coming, there's a few things you could do, right? Like one of those things is be proactive, right? Reach out to all your contacts. Say I'm coming up on the end of a contract this month, right? And you're like, I don't know where my next one is. Start reaching out to your network. Say, hey, I'm coming up available. I know you guys have reached out to me in the past about some work. Just want to see if that's still on the table, right? You know, if you guys need any help with anything, I know sometimes, you know, I just I want to give you first crack at me because you want to make yourself sound desirable too. It's like, hey, just reach out. You know, we've always wanted to do work in the past. Just the one that lets you know. I said, the next time that I'm coming available, I'd reach out to you all and let you know just in case you have something. Things like that. You can shake the tree that way. 
And honestly, I'll, I'll be honest with you. You should probably be doing that with your network anyway, not necessarily asking around if they need you, but just reaching out to say, hey, is there anything I can do for you guys? Right. Like, is there anything yeah. I can do for you all? Right. Like on this or that or whatever. So, yeah, keep it in touch and making yourself top of mind is is how I'd condense that. Yeah, I would just say that there's only two ways to make money as an indie. Uh-oh. <laughs> is that you sell yourself direct to customer right. or you have a network of alliances that yeah. you wear their t-shirt for. There's really no other way of that. So especially for those of you who are thinking about going indie versus are already indie, this is, I think, the one thing that everybody underestimates is that your ability to execute is probably the easier part of the whole operation. The forming of alliances, the grooming of alliances, the keeping that stuff up to date, the selling of yourself to into the into the ecosystem, that's the hard part. Yeah, but the building of that, of that reputation where folks will call you and when they've got the problem. No, the funny thing is this SPM problem we were talking about. I solved it for a guy who I'm his first call. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it, like when he, whenever he in the thing, right. Like he's like, I know Corey's not going to let me down. I'll never let him down. Right. Like I'm his mm-hmm. guy. <laughs> right. And if it ever got to the point where it backs up against the wall, really needs some work, I can dial him. He'll yeah. figure it out for me because that's how he roll. It's almost like the Indies have to take everything that we've set up to this point so far and like multiply it. It's like more intensity. You have to have exercised more intense network building. You have to have exercised more intense tool sharpening. You have to have been past all the fundamentals and decided on a niche and niche down. A lot of indies I know are just like, they have no problem whatsoever, but they've already put in the work on those other things, right? Yeah, I mean, because you have to operate your career as if it's a business because it is, right? You've got to be key at sales. You got to be key at marketing, right? Like you got to be mm-hmm. key at reputation building. You got to be key at execution. You've got to be key at all of those things and all those things all the time through everything that you're doing. That's the indie experience right there. So if you're not willing to do all of that stuff, man, you you should check out, <laughs> yeah. right? There's a, there's a lot of gigs in, in the service now. You can see some good gigs, right? That don't require you to do all of this work, right? But you don't really get all the freedom that goes along with being an indie either. So I mean, it's just all of it. But ultimately, if you are here and this is what you want to do and this is what you love to do, then you need to be doing all that stuff. Like you said, do times two, times 10 yeah. even. The unfortunate thing is not an eight hour day, right? <laughs> it no, comes right? Out to, uh, it comes out to more than that. So yeah. that's the point. That's what we get up for. It's not an eight hour day. We put investment in and we reap the huge rewards out of it. I mean, it's outsized rewards, I think, for for the amount of effort that's put in typically, right? Uh, be, as yeah. Long as, yeah, as long as you good at it right as long as you will commit the effort to be good at it i should rephrase that right because not every no one's born good at this stuff right like everyone had to put in effort to get here all right we're uh 36 minutes in man duke like we (laughs) (laughs) once again right like we didn't know what we were going to talk about and here we are 36 minutes in that's crazy yeah and we're getting close to episode 100 aren't we yeah we got to figure out something good for that yo if you're listening out there what we want to know is what do you think episode 100 should be yeah that's let's blow it up up on linkedin we want it to be the best episode ever and we're at episode this is episode 95 y'all got like five weeks to do this come on (laughs) episode 100 let's hear it let's hear it all right thanks everybody for listening we out
Now let me ask you one question, who the realest be? Unapologetic, if we said it, then we meant it. Foundation built on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way, only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Come on. Yeah. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Yeah. CJ and the Duke. What's that? Huh? Service now. Come on. Yeah. I said welcome to the winner's circle. Yeah. Yeah.